welcome to TSO Consulting Group's DEI podcast series, Why Is It So Hard? Shining Through the Shadow of Resistance. I'm Dr. Tanya Breland. And I am Erica Lee. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Tanya Breland. And I'm Erica Leek. And this is our podcast series, Why Is It So Hard? Shining Through the Shadows of Resistance. And in this podcast series, we discuss issues that prevent us from being socially just and free. And the goal is to disrupt the status quo of racial inequality and inequity in systems. And through this, we challenge each other to be the change that we want to see that goes for us and that also goes for all of you as well those things that we want to change in society we need to be the change so we discuss those topics Mm -hmm. we've been working in a series called things i wish i knew about race so what's our our topic for today so this is part four and part four's topic is say it loud and it's really about positive racial identity. Mm. So, um, you know, when we talk about positive racial identity, you know, we think about um, where that starts, you yeah. know, and obviously it starts at home, mm-hmm. but it also carries out when we're children in the classroom. Yeah. You know, when we go to school, you know, we, as parents, when we send our children to school, we fully expect that they are going to leave out of there feeling just as good about themselves as they walked in feeling, Mm -hmm. if not better. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be amazing if every classroom and every classroom teacher was fully equipped to help a student feel wonderful about their racial identity. So with that said, how do you think that could even happen? Well, um, in our last episode, we talked about stereotypes. We talked a lot about stereotypes. You know, what's really challenging about stereotypes is that very often, you know, people in in certain groups internalize those stereotypes. And, you know, whether it's true of them or not, they internalize it. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard um, sometimes if, you know, this is the image you see of yourself, right? We talked about, um, particularly for like black males, this idea of being associated with criminality, right? Mm So it's kind of hard if this is the only image you see or this is the repeated image that you see of yourself and then you get into the classroom and then you're over-disciplined. Right. Right? Or, you know, you're always the one that, or you and others that look like you are always the one that seem to be in trouble or disciplined. Like those kinds of of experiences, I think really uh, present a challenge to a positive racial identity, right? And I think really sort of understanding that kind of helps us to, once we know it, then we can do something about it. Right. Yeah. You know, I'll say that, you know, when we look at the statistics of who's in classrooms across our country, you know, there is what we would consider to be what we call a racial mismatch. Mm -hmm. So the majority of teachers, over 80% of teachers are white while more than 50% of the student body increasingly, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and it's increasing, um, across the whole country, in, in our state, mm-hmm. it's almost 60% yeah. of the student body are students of color. Mm-hmm. So they, these are students that are not white students. So 
there's a, there is a cultural mismatch or a racial mismatch, if you will, between teachers and students. Mm -hmm. And so if teachers only have one perspective, and that perspective is, you know, their lived experience as um, white teachers mm -hmm. or white people, if you will, then how then are they best able to help their students whose racial identity is different from their own yeah. feel good about their own racial identity? Mm -hmm. Some of that comes from a couple of things. I mean, there are a number of ways to, to do that, but a couple of things that come to mind, I think about, first of all, that teacher doing some of that introspection yes. and that you know reflective work mm -hmm. about, okay, now how do I see my students? That's right. You know, am I seeing my students through um, my own experience as a, a white person. Mm -hmm. So is my my dominant, you know, white middle class upbringing the way that I view my students yeah. and center my conversations with students and the instruction that I have with students and the environment that mm -hmm. I create for students? Mm -hmm. Or is the environment that I'm creating for my students one that reflects all of them mm. and their really diversity? Important. And if I'm in a homogeneous classroom where the majority of the students look like me, if not all of them, mm -hmm. how do I give my white students the experience of understanding, um, um, embracing, yeah. um, you know, feeling good about interacting with other students and other people who don't look like them? Mm -hmm. So how then do I create an environment in my potentially all white classroom so that my students get a perspective mm -hmm. that is outside of that dominant um, or my dominant culture, if yeah. you will. I think that's good. I, I think that's those are really great questions. And you know, I, I think one of the things to understand that you can do that without teaching like a separate course or class and culture, right? right? right. So one of the things to do is to integrate those different cultures, those accurate representations of images and ideas and languages into what you're already teaching. So this isn't about you being a math teacher and oh, now I have to teach culture. Like this isn't that. Right. Or oh, I'm teaching, I teach social studies, this is a curriculum, and oh, now I have, to. this isn't that. This is the integration, right? And, and the equitable representation of different groups. Right into what you're already teaching. Um, and I can't say that enough because I think that's one of the things that we hear very often is, oh, now I have to teach this, or I have to teach something separate. And it's just not that. Right, it's just right. really the integration into what you're already doing. And if you're not already doing that, maybe you know, sort of creating or being a part of a professional learning community that really studies how do we now bring in, how do we now integrate these different cultures and, and um, experiences and backgrounds do into you, the do work? Do you remember, um, okay, I'm, I'm trying to remember which, which book depicted this. There's a book that we were looking at maybe about a month or so ago um, that there was a kindergarten classroom where the kindergarten teacher had this culturally rich classroom. Do you remember where that was. was I that think it was Geneva in Culture. I thought maybe the culturally sustaining. Possibly. Book. I, yeah, I can't, it's hard for me to remember. But mm. in, in that book, they were described, it, it described um, a classroom teacher's um, 
classroom. Mm -hmm. And it was rich. I think it was Geneva Gay's book. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Yeah, mm -hmm. and she talks about, uh, Geneva Gay is one of the, the scholars mm -hmm. that does a lot of work in culturally responsive mm -hmm. um, um, practices mm -hmm. and teaching. And um, she was giving a, a description of a kindergarten classroom mm -hmm. teacher. And this, this could be done in any classroom. Yeah where it was so rich with you know diverse cultures mm -hmm. from what you saw on the walls yeah. to the books that you saw on the shelves mm -hmm. to the conversations that she was having with the yeah. students yeah. to the artifacts she mm -hmm. had sitting sit, um, sitting around the classroom mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. mean everywhere you look the involvement of the families yes in right all the images of families right. and Yes. It was mm -hmm. everywhere yeah. and it was beautiful. It was such yeah. a beautiful depiction. Yes. And it and it doesn't have to be a kindergarten classroom. That's it right. could be any classroom. That's right. Where a student walks into that classroom and they feel like, you know, culture and ethnicity and race is like fully embraced in this room. And I belong here. I belong here is huge. And I belong here. I yeah. belong in this space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so do my classmates who may not look like me or may not even, they may even speak other language, they right, belong here right, too. We right. all belong here. And even when the student, I remember they were going to do a book, read a book in the classroom, and one of the students said, you know, I want to choose this book. And it was about, if I remember correctly, it was about Japanese culture. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. one of his classmates, mm -hmm. the student recognized, you know, my classmate you know, I saw this classmate over the weekend, mm -hmm. and I think I'd like to honor this classmate's culture by reading a book about yes. this classmate's mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. And so the teacher reads the book to them because they're five-year-olds and they mm -hmm. aren't readers yet. But, you know, the fact that this was just a yeah. part of the way that they did life right. in that classroom. Right. And this was maybe like a couple months into the school year. That's right. That's that right. this was very much a part of their culture. That's right. And so they were, which meant... Number one, they were having conversations mm -hmm. about race, race and ethnicity, yeah. and the kids were five, mm -hmm. and yeah. nobody was offended, no. <laughs> right? No. Right, and it wasn't. It didn't take away from the rigor, because that if you read that that this was a rigorous it was. approach to education for five-year-olds, and they um, honored each other. They themselves were honored. I mean, it was, you know, she had relationship with them, obviously, and it was relevant. It was relevant to them. I feel um, like the first grade teacher has a lot of pressure. Yeah. Because those kids are going to walk, you mm -hmm. know, when they left that kindergarten mm -hmm. classroom, when they walk into that first grade classroom, mm -hmm. if they don't see representation, yeah. those five, six-year-olds, yeah. you know, yes. are, we're going to have something to say. Yeah. Because it was yeah. so much a part of that yeah. classroom dynamic. Right. Like, every aspect of it was about, like, celebrating one right, another right and what if every classroom in every school across america looked like that yeah that would have been that would be phenomenal yeah. right and yeah. imagine imagine the strides right. in interactions with each other and our our cultural and our racial uh you know relations and everything imagine that imagine yeah. how phenomenal that would be and i think about how uncomfortable people are mm -hmm. talking about race mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. so we we'll, we we'll often hear teachers say well i i don't want to say the wrong thing yeah, i don't know what to say you know i don't know what to yeah. say you know yeah. and it's because they have not been taught to no. embrace racial differences right. right it's really about 
a celebration of the differences. Right. Because even in that, even in that scenario where the five-year-old boy was like, oh, I want to read something about Japanese culture because my friend who I saw over the weekend is Japanese. Like, that's a recognition of difference. Absolutely. Right? That's a recognition of difference. And it was totally fine. Okay, yep. let's read about it. Let's talk about it. Right. You know, and I think we really haven't been, particularly like in and our, you know, having gone to high school in the 80s, you know, we really did not have permission and going to college in the 90s, it really wasn't like this permission to talk about race. I mean, as African-Americans, I think we talk about race all the time, sure. you know, but never in my classrooms, you know, particularly where I had, you know, white professors, white teachers, it just wasn't something that we did, you mm -hmm. know, very often. And so I think kind of being in the space where we are, have permission, we have license to talk to each other and to ask questions and to have this racial discourse is really important. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I think what it does is it helps students develop a healthy mm -hmm. image yeah. of other people mm -hmm. and it's a um, it combats bias. Yeah. So yeah. you know, obviously we we've talked about bias in previous episodes and when we think about, you know, bias Bias does. You don't just wake up to tomorrow and all of a sudden you have bias. That's right. Bias is ingrained. Yeah. You know, it comes yeah. as a result of exposure. Right. Um, and um, uh, really, exposure to mm -hmm. certain ideas mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and concepts mm -hmm. and images mm -hmm. and hearing things. You know, or not hearing or seeing yes. things. You know, we we've said this in previous episodes uh, um, as well. You know, like as children, if you only see your parents, you know, interacting with one group of people, yeah. that creates bias. Mm -hmm. So the student, the child may ask questions, well, how come we don't have friends that look like, you know, mm -hmm. these other people? Mm -hmm. Or how come all of mm -hmm. they may ask those questions, mm -hmm. but if the parents never expose them, yeah. or if they overhear parents speaking negatively yeah. about groups of people, mm -hmm. very early on they develop bias. Mm -hmm. And if kindergarten through even preschool all the way up, because preschool students are the first to recognize differences. Yeah. You know, they're the yeah. first to recognize that And they do. They're me. not too young. Right. They do recognize those differences. They do. They, sh they certainly do. They, but I, I want to, when we think about like positive racial identity, you know, part of the challenge um, that we have with that, you know, for students is that very often if you're part of a, if you're part, if you're, if in this society, if you're not white, very often your experiences are othered, right? So they're, you're, you're marginalized in, in some way. So there are things that are, may not be a part of your background that might be part of sort of like white middle class dominant narrative, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so when we think about that as, you know, for teachers, really understanding that, understanding that, you know, what might be normal for normal or average, an average experience or whatever, may not be the same for your students. And so decentering that is really important. Right. So how do we get into a space where we decenter whiteness? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't like to talk about that, but when we think about our students, when we think about like sort of, you talked about you know the statistics around like over 50%, like I think it's something like 60% of students, particularly in New Jersey, but this is a national trend, right? Um, that um, the students that we have are increasingly diverse. They are diverse. We have diverse groups of students. 
And so how then do we make sure that the expectations, the norms, the practices, the language, like all of that honors their experiences right. and their backgrounds, right. you know, while we're teaching our content, while we're teaching, you know, our, our, our standards. So how do we make sure that that happens and decenter, right, mm -hmm. whiteness? I mean, right. I think that's, and you talked, you used the word reflection earlier, and I think that that's really important to understand, like, okay, so why do I have why am I practicing what I'm practicing? Mm -hmm. Why do I do what I do? I think is really important too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. inviting diverse perspectives. Yeah. So that means that, um, you know, we can't expect anybody, we are not experts mm -hmm. on all cultures. Mm -hmm. We're nowhere close to that. Yeah. And we don't expect teachers to be either. Right. But we know that the more we learn about different cultures, the more that we invite opportunities to learn, sure. we can learn different perspectives as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, teachers have an opportunity. This is where you can tap into your community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, look into, even if your classroom is homogeneous yeah. and the vast majority mm -hmm. of them are one ethnic group mm -hmm. or another, you know, they may match yours or they may not match yours, mm -hmm. but there's an opportunity for you to say, okay, how can we look at the community yeah. around us or the world around sure. us and invite these different perspectives into the classroom? So it may mean, you know, the books or the films or actual individuals mm -hmm. coming in, mm -hmm. you know, um, to the classroom. There are opportunities that yes. teachers can take advantage of that they yeah. often don't That's take right. advantage of. That's right. That's right. And I think... Um, you know, really being intentional about that, I think, is, is going to be important. So there are lots of, there are civic groups, you mm -hmm. know, out there that would love to interact with schools, um, love to interact with classrooms, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, would just love to come in and talk about, like, what they do for a living. It's not even really, because um, I, I think in this polarized society, we think, we tend to think in terms of, like, polarization. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to come in here and say the wrong thing. But if you ask them to come in and, you know, if you ask somebody from another culture to come in and just talk about, like, a recipe from their mom or something like that, I mean, those kinds of things people come in and, and do willingly, sure. you know. Talk about what they do for a living. You know, if somebody is, um, you know, is an engineer or does something in another, just come in and talk about it. It's really important for not just students of that particular cultural background, but for other students to see that as well. Right, I think that's right. hugely important. Sure. Um, and so, you know, even if you're afraid about, you know, oh, I don't want them to come in, you know, ask them for something really specific, something that the kids are learning that they could come in and talk about. Okay. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a full hour. It could just be, you know, if you're concerned about time, because I know as a teacher, I was always concerned about like, how much time do I have to teach, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it could be, you know, okay, can you come in for 20 or 30 minutes and just explain blank? Sure. Um, when you do that often enough, one, the community really feels like they're a part of you know, this, the, the schooling, the education that's happening, you know, in their, in their community. But also kids feel like, feel, feel more connected, yeah, you know, do. to what's happening as well. I remember a project we did as children, and it was in elementary school. I feel like it was fifth grade, but I, I don't remember specifically. It might have been sixth grade. But the project was for us to do a report on a country in Africa which was interesting, you know, yeah. like, so I, you know, I chose one of the, one of the countries, I chose Niger um, as, as the country that I studied and every member of the class 
you know, had an opportunity mm -hmm. to choose a different country. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we, we read about that country, we wrote about that country, and we reported it to our classmates. So now we're hearing, you know, about, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people say the country of Africa, it's a continent. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, we were learning about the continent yeah. of Africa. I don't even know what the curriculum called mm -hmm. for, but mm -hmm. this teacher, whoever it was, and I, I, can't, I just cannot remember, you know, said, I want to expose my students to, you know, culture in, you know, from the, the continent of Africa, which does not look the same yes. from country to country to That's country. Right. That's right. And so, and, and this was not an all black school, by the way. It was mm. like, a, you know, a diverse mm -hmm. school was mm -hmm. integrated. Um, and this was the project that we, that we embarked upon. And I'm like, kudos to that teacher yeah. back in the mm -hmm. 70s, mm -hmm. by the way, who said, I want to expose my, yeah. my students yeah. to culture beyond, and the teacher was a white teacher because mm -hmm. that's pretty much what I had mm -hmm. most of, you know, most of my mm -hmm. um, schooling. I did have a, a couple of black teachers, but, um, you know, this teacher was like, let's, let's expose our students. Yeah. How powerful that was. And I okay. remember it, mm -hmm. you know, here mm -hmm. I am decades mm -hmm. later mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. still remember mm -hmm. that we did this project, yeah. you know, that focused on, you know, culture that was not the dominant culture, if you will. And it did not require the teacher to be an expert. No. Right? It did not, it did not require the teacher to be an expert yep. on African cultures. That's correct. Right? So, so the teacher, so very often we hear like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm not really sure what to say. Um, and that's understandable, but then how do you, you know, you can create these experiences right. where you just don't have to be the expert. Right. Yeah. Right. And imagine, and, and like you said, you still remember it, right? So we still get this connection between, you know, young Tanya mm -hmm. and others, you know, spaces that where people, you know, look like you. Right. You know, right. and when we think about cultivate, cultivating that positive racial identity, those are the kinds of you know, rigorous, relevant um, kinds of um, instructional activities that right. really go a long way. They really do, yeah. right. they really mm -hmm. do. I also think that if we can empower student voice, mm -hmm. you know, and so you know, empowering student voice works for so many different reasons mm -hmm. because number one, students take ownership yeah. over the learning that's mm -hmm. happening, they take ownership over just the school, the classroom, yeah. the, the environment, um, they they feel that it's that, that they're contributing, mm -hmm. um, that they're seen and heard. Mm -hmm. You know, like somebody sees you, somebody hears you. That means that you belong yeah, here. Yeah, you know, yeah. you belong mm -hmm. here. When we say, "Hey, diverse students, we would love to hear about your lived experiences." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm saying to my student, "I see you. Yeah, I that's see right. you. That's right. And you matter. You matter. And you matter." Yep. You yep. know, yeah. and I think student voice is, is one that is consistently overlooked. Yes. You know, and, when, and from all, all grade levels. And from all grade levels. Mm -hmm. And when we think about bringing, oh, let's bring in the, the, you know, the education community, we consistently overlook students, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and when we're thinking about, you know, rolling out a new whatever or, 
you know, we consistently overlook those really important voices because they'll tell you, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. They'll tell you. They'll if tell we you. listen. If we listen. If we listen. Yeah, yeah. And if we make the space safe enough right. for them to do it, right. they will They will, They will. will let us know. Yeah. 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 You know, we think sometimes we'll open a, a training by asking the question, how are you wounded by school? Mm -hmm. And if you were to ask that question of, you know, recently graduated high school students mm. across diverse, mm -hmm. diverse communities. Mm -hmm. I wonder what we would hear from those yeah. students. Yeah. You know, and how many of them would, would say, well, actually, school did not harm me in any way. Mm -hmm. At school, I was celebrated. Mm. At school, my identity mm -hmm. was, you know, um, yeah. very much, you know, a part of the community. Mm -hmm. At school, I felt like I belonged. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, it be powerful. It would be. It would be. And I I wonder, you know, in in those spaces where kids belong, the, very often it's because they're heard and yes. they're seen. Right. And they feel like they have voice, you know. I I belong in spaces where I have voice. Right. Right? Absolutely. And so, you know, that's so um hugely critical and and important. I think also what's important. We talked about it a little bit earlier is that collaboration with families. Mm -hmm. Like I just want to really um, kind of focus on that for a sec because very often I think that's the other side. Like we talk about student voice missing, very often, you know, family engagement is mm -hmm. missing as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there are times when the, the challenge is teachers will say, I, I can't, my parents won't reach out to me or, you know, I can't get in touch with them. Um, and to that I would say, keep trying, right? Or look at the, the, the methods that you're using. Maybe there's another method to use. I know that I worked in districts where parents worked hard and a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and it was, it was really challenging mm -hmm. to, you know, catch up with them, um, to really talk to them. Um, but when I did, when I was able to, for whatever reasons, and a lot of times, it was the spaces that we created for student voice. Mm -hmm. So student performances or student presentations, parents would be right there. That's right. Right there, yep. you know? And so, you know, then we learned like, okay, so this is what parents want and need. So this is how we'll Right, they we'll want, they want to see them. their children being seen yes, too. Yes, that's right. You know, that's right. being seen and heard. That's right. Um, and, and recognized and yes. honored yes. and all of that. They that's want right. to see that. That's right. Um, and that's how you can pull parents yes. in. When you give their students, a their children a platform yes. and you say, you know, that I want to celebrate your child. Yeah. They want that's to be right it. there with that's you. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's it right there. Yeah. So I think when we, when we think about like, and all of that goes to positive racial identity, right? Sure. All of that goes back to, you know, me having, you know, as a student, a positive, you know, racial self-concept, you know, that happens in school too. So mm -hmm. it's not just about like, oh, they should get that from home. It's also how does school support, right? right? But let's look at something else that we didn't t touch on at all. You know, the school also needs to have policies and practices mm -hmm. in place, mm -hmm. you know, so something as simple as I'm going to learn this student's name. That's right. 
That's right. You know, mm -hmm. and maybe the student's name may be difficult for you to pronounce. Mm -hmm. You can get a tape, reco a tape recorder. Yeah. <laughs> you can get your yeah. phone mm -hmm. and record, and you can say, yes. "Can you pre please pronounce your name for me, yes. so that I can practice saying That's your right. name, so that I can get it right." Because mm -hmm. even that is a part of the student's yes. identity. Yes. Oftentimes, a part of their cultural identity. Mm -hmm. Their names may be mm -hmm. cultural names, mm -hmm. um, and it's incumbent upon teachers to get it right. Get it right. Get it right. You know, because it says. You matter. That's to right. Me. That's right. You're important because to when me. you consistently you give them nicknames or you don't get their names right or even kind of make fun of it sometimes. Right. right. Like that sends a message. Kids learn. You know, we have this this phrase, all children can learn. All children do learn. So they're gonna learn something. Right? And so in that space, you know, what is it that they learn? What do they learn about you? What do they learn about themselves? What do they learn about how they're you know, allowed to show up, right. you know, right. in, in, um, in society. Right. Like right. they, they're going to learn something. Right. But you, you also have, have, have to have policies that combat mm -hmm. discrimination mm -hmm. and stereotyping. Yes. That these things are not permissible in this setting. And that has to be intentional, yes. right? It doesn't just happen because we're nice people. Right. 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 Like we are intentional. To call that out. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. We are Name intentional it. and deliberate right. about, you know, Right. Anti-discrimination policies. Right. And yeah. that's that's what it's all about. So mm -hmm. we can't steer. We can't be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. We have to embrace it. That's right. You know, that's we right. have to say, OK, this is this is what this is the climate and the culture that we're creating in that's this right. building. Right. Yes. And in this district, yes. you know, like the entire system has to be behind right. creating this this place where students feel that they belong and that their racial identity is celebrated. That's right. And I think mm -hmm. then we get it right. 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 We so. hope that you've um, enjoyed this conversation. Uh, if you have questions or even feedback for us, we would love to hear it. Contact yeah. us on any of our social media platforms and we'll get back in touch with you. Again, thank you for joining us today. I am Dr. Tanya Breland. And I'm Erica Leek. And I hope you all have a great day. <laughs>